So Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking uh, to us by the Holy Ghost, and he's talking to us about the enemy and fighting. How many of you know we have a good fight, and that's the fight of faith? And it's a good fight because we always win. Everybody say, I always win. Because you're more than a conqueror, amen? Why? Because Jesus spoiled principalities and power and made a show of them openly, triumphing over, in, in, over them in it, his death, burial, resurrection. And we know in the first part of Ephesians, we saw that uh, when Jesus was raised from the dead, aren't you grateful he is alive? He was raised from the dead. He was seated far above. Turn to your neighbor and say, far above. That doesn't mean he's tickling your toes. Hallelujah. You're seated far above. Why? Ephesians 2, 6 says, if you've been raised together or you're born again, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you're seated far above. Well, why do I feel like I'm not? Well, that's just a feeling. And the devil wants you to have the feelings that he's winning, but he's not winning. Amen. Aren't you grateful Jesus destroyed him and you always win and you have the victory and it's because you're seated. The deal is the devil's always trying to get you up out of your seat. So you got to sit down. Remember the Psalms? Don't you love the Psalms that we're talking about? There's a table in the very presence of our enemies. What's on the table? Everything you would need. But what's the devil trying to do? Get you, get up from your seat. Now, in the New Testament, we have been seated. And so you're seated above it. So why is this in here? Well, the Bible says, Paul told in 2 Corinthians, he said, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. If he's defeated, why do we have to bother about it? Well, the truth of the matter is, he's still roaming here on the earth as a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. So what's the roar for? Come on, y'all watch. Back in my, when I was a kid, it was Wild Kingdom. I know there's a lot of different shows now. But, you know, I always rooted for the uh, gazelle and the water buffalo. I rooted for them. because I know the lion's got to eat, but not while I'm watching. And so I always rooted for them. And, uh, but when the lion lets out a roar, that's more of a territorial thing. When he lets out a roar, that's, that's announcing, I'm here and you should be afraid. So what's the devil always trying to get you and I into? Fear. But aren't you grateful the Bible says you know, God's not giving you a spirit of right? What does that Rick, Brother Rick preach again? Hallelujah. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, power. And y'all pray for me next Sunday after this one that I won't be timid to take my pulpit after he's been here. Hallelujah. Uh, but I'm telling you, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. But you do have what he said, dunamis. And you have a sound mind. It all works together. Just a real way of, of, of rehearsing some things. Remember, even um, uh, Peter was walking on the water. How many everybody talks about him sinking? Dude was walking on water. He was walking on water. A fisherman knew better than to walk on water. He was walking on water in the middle of a storm. It wasn't even like glass, you know, because maybe you could walk on water when it wasn't a storm. No, you can't walk on water, period, right? But what happened was the waves didn't stop. And those waves began to hit him. Because the Bible says when he saw the wind, well, you can't see wind, you see the result of wind. So that salt water or whatever water that was, was bashing him in the face. And even as a, uh, you know, this ship owner, this fisherman, he understood about water and, you know, how easy it is to drown in it. But what happened was the Bible says he grew afraid. Listen, you cannot have, I know a lot of people say, well, we need to be balanced. But balance is not a little bit of faith and a little bit of fear. No fear. No fear. The devil is the peddler of all fear. And anyone that's peddling it to you, you need to turn it off. Because God doesn't motivate people by fear. That's not the voice of God. God doesn't put, tolerate fear. I remember when Joshua was going in to take the promise, why didn't the first group get it? Why didn't the first group get it? Was it promised to them? Yeah, it was promised to them, right? All the miracles, they came out silver and gold, none sick or feeble among them. It was promised to them. The spies went out and said, said it's just like they said. But they added, they didn't get, you know, I told you this again, I'm going to repeat this a little bit. People ask me all the time, well, pray that I get a good report. I'm not going to do it. You already got a good report. 
Because if I pray you get a good report and you get a bad report, you're going to follow, you're going to crumble. You have a good report. And so the report they were supposed to come back with was what Joshua and Caleb came back with. We're well able. We're well, how many know those two went in? Why? Because they stuck with God's report. The others gave what they saw. How many know it's true what they saw? Oh, let's do it this way. It was a fact what they saw. They said, there's some walled cities up in there. Come on, those were walls. People lived in those walls. Rahab lived in the wall. So there were some condos in the wall. That's a pretty thick wall. There's giants. They even named them. They're from Anak. These are the big dudes. These are bigger than the, than, than, you know, than the offensive line, hallelujah, of your favorite football team. These are big. And then I always love this one. And even the land will eat you. Now that's some pretty powerful land if it'll eat you. And remember, it caused fear in the people. And they were like, you brought us out, out here to die. Remember, they revolted. But two of them didn't revolt. But remember what God did on Joshua's way in. I, I'm, getting you, I'm getting you to what I'm going to talk about tonight. I, but you need to understand this because the Lord always told me, just don't talk about the weapons. Just don't talk about each one. Remind them uh, of these aspects of it. Because remember in Ephesians 6, it says to stand against. And having all to stand, stand therefore. There's a lot of standing going on. And you can't just, you can't stand unless you know, A, the devil's defeated. But then you've also got to know the devil has devices and you and I are not ignorant of them. Come on, I've been doing this a long time now. And the devil still tries the same thing on me. And I know he still tries it on humanity. The same thing he tried on Eve because it just happens to keep working. But it doesn't have to work with you and me. Because we can successfully stand. And withstand and stand against and having all to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Amen. Remember the apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. Right? And so what did he tell Joshua? He said, fear not. Whatever you do, fear not. Fear not. Why? Because as I was with Moses, I'm with you. So everywhere you put your feet, I'm going to give it to you. But only be not afraid. Be strong and courageous. Everybody shout, I'm not afraid. And anytime you feel that fear, no matter what it is, I'm not just talking about fear of, of riding in an airplane. I'm not just talking about fear uh, of this. But fear of anything is something that you have to oppose. Because you can't have fear because Peter proved it. He was walking on water. And then the Lord said, why did you doubt? Doubt, do a... Uh, it wasn't unbelief because he was walking in water. Doubt, was, doubt is a hesitation between two things. And that's where you and I mostly are. We're not in unbelief. People run them together, doubt and unbelief. They just run them together. But they're two totally separate things. Unbelief is I refuse to believe. You know how they call him Doubting Thomas? Misnamed. He was unbelieving Thomas. Because he said, I refuse to believe. Doubting is, I believe, and then the circumstances come, and I start going like this. That's why you got to have friends. Four crazy, uh, four crazy ones, if you can get them. We tell you, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not saying that. That's not what we believe, right? And, and so not letting us get into each other get into fear, but encouraging one another. So everybody say, stand against. And what are we going to do? What we, so what are we going to do? We're going to, put, we're going to have our loins girt about with truth. That's the logos, the written word of God. Without the written word of God, none of the rest of the armor matters. You know, I've been teaching this for a long time. And, and where my circle comes from, everybody always was the shield of faith, the shield of faith, which is actually what we're talking about. And where I'm from, yes, the shield of faith. And a lot of people say the shield of faith is the most important. But the Bible doesn't say that. It just says it's out in front of all. And if... Because I would argue the written word is the most important. But then I would also argue that if you don't have an understanding of the breastplate of righteousness, then remember we talked about it covers your, uh, if you ever get stabbed with a, uh, with a spear in your heart, you are what? What about your lungs? Dead. Maybe your stomach? Dead. Righteousness and a revelation of it protects you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Someone without a revelation of righteousness is condemned all the time, sin conscious all the time. 
trying to have our own righteousness. But when you figure out that he made, you're as righteous as you're ever going to be. Now, your fruit of righteousness will grow, but you are as righteous as you ever been. Everybody say, I'm righteous. In Christ Jesus. Not in your own. Don't ever leave out the in Christ Jesus. Because we don't stand alone, we stand in him. Amen? That, so I've got my, I got my word, which is the logos. My breastplate, which kind of attaches to it. Then we talked about shoes of peace. Those shoes of peace were killer shoes. And so there's two kinds of peace. You got to have first peace with God before you can have the peace of God. And peace is a weapon. How do I know that? Jesus said to the storm, what? Come on, everybody say it. And that storm obeyed him with what? Peace. And Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, because their peace is called tranquility. Their peace is everything's got to be all right, and then I'm at peace. That is false peace. You can be at peace in the middle of a storm. You can be at peace when everything looks bad. And you, first, you got to have peace with God, and then you have the peace of God. Jesus made peace for, for us with God, and now he also then left not just any peace, his peace. Woo, hallelujah. And that brings us to verse 16, Ephesians 6. Above all, and that better translation would be out in front of all. It doesn't mean more important than all. Because listen to me, your, what, how does faith come? And hearing by the? So the written, the logos, if you don't have the written logos, you can't have faith. You can't, I can't pray for you that your faith will increase. You have to do that by hearing the word. Why well, just pray that my faith would increase? That's a, that's a, that's a. Wasted prayer. Your faith can only come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So without the logos, there is no shield of faith. And any I'm getting ahead of myself. So out in front of all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all. I would say all. How many? All the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we have to know this. John 10, 10 said the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that comes at me that is trying to steal from me, trying to uh, kill me or destroy me is from the devil. You know, it's so interesting. A four-year-old can figure it out. It just takes a preacher to mess it up because people are wondering, well, what is God? What is not God? Well, Jesus clearly defined it. And he said that, but he came, aren't you glad he came? That you may have Zoe. The God kind and quality of life. So it's good. James says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. Everything good is a pastor mark that's too simple. Um, I know, and just keep it that way. If it's good, it came from God. If it's bad, it came from the devil. If you don't know, ask your four-year-old. Hallelujah. Because that's what we teach them because that's what the word says. Right? And so um, the fiery darts are the things that the devil sins our way. So let's look at this. What are some of the fiery darts? Let me, let me explain this. Um, and um, if I'm wrong, maybe Rick, Brother Rick will preach on it while he's here. Um, because some of the, the best revelation I ever got was from his book, Dressed to Kill. And um, you can go online and get it. I don't think he's bringing that with him when he comes. But if you don't have Dress to Kill in your library, you definitely have to have Dress to Kill in your library. Uh, it is, uh, I told him last time he was here, I, I know he's written, you know, a thousand books, but that's still my favorite. Hallelujah. It just changed my life. It changed my life. Because when you really know this weaponry, when you really know what this is, what these weapons are, you, you get confidence. And what they represent. You know, uh, people say, well, I'm putting on my armor. Well, fine, if that's what you have to do. But you should really, you should get a revelation of it and never take it off. If you have to remind yourself, that's fine. But it's not really a shield. Your faith acts like a shield. And the fiery darts, that, that's kind of like you just look at that. And, you know, it's not like, you know, you have a dart board and you light a little dart and you throw it. Uh, back in this day, the Romans used a lot of different kinds of arrows. And fire was something they used as weapons to destroy uh, villages and even get behind walls. And if a good fire started, you could destroy everything. 
Now, these Romans were a little bit ahead of their time. The arrows they had, they would light them, but when they would land on something, they would also explode. So you're supposed to get the image because Paul thinks, well, he's writing to people who understand it, but for you and I, we need to understand. This dart that the devil has is meant to explode in your soul or your mind when it hits you. And therefore, you've got to have your shield out in front of all so that it can quench, quench. Now, when you think about a shield, you might think of how in the, have you ever seen pictures of the Roman soldiers and they got a bright, shiny shield? But that's the parade shield. That's not the translation of this word. This word is a, is a big shield. This, this shield is a heavy shield and it's made of leather. And before they went out in battle, they drenched it in water. And water always represents the word. And so if your shield's going to work, if your faith's going to work, it has to be drenched in the living word. It can't be from the word of yesterday. How many of you know if they put, you know, they went to a battle three months ago and it was wet and they thought, well, I, I, I got that wet three months ago. But if you're going out for a fresh battle, you better have some fresh word. Because you need fresh revelation. Because you need a fresh anointing. And, and the other thing they would do is they would polish it with oil. And, and then everything they were doing was to make that lever, le leather supple so when a fiery dart hit it, there would be no explosion. It would protect them. It was out in front of all. That's what your faith is supposed to do. Uh, the Bible says this. You remember in, uh, what is it, 1 Peter 5, 9? Put 1 Peter 5, 5, 9 up. 1 Peter 5, 9, talks about our faith. It, it talks about how we resist the devil. We resist, whom we resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing the same afflictions, or you could even say they're the same fiery darts, are accompanied in your brethren that are in the world. So everybody experiences fiery darts. There is not one person in this room, there is not one believer on planet earth that doesn't experience fiery darts. You can't control whether they come, you can control whether they hit you. Well, because I, I, when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost and I grew up in a denominational church and I had people tell me, and they, they, didn't, they, they meant well, but they would say to me, now if you do everything perfect, it was always do, if you do everything perfect, pray enough hours in tongues, Read your, you know, read three uh, chapters every day. Come to church and never miss. I think that's a good one. Uh, but, uh, um, but, you know, you, you do all those things and you live perfect, then the devil will not be able to uh, touch you. And I know what they were saying, but the truth of the matter is it gives people the impression if I do everything right, the devil will never come. Well, that's not the case because Jesus, who was perfect, he was even led into the wilderness to oppose the devil. The whole reason that David is David is because he slayed Goliath. There's some battles in your life that you're destined to win, but you're going to face them. Hallelujah. No, Pastor Mark, if we walk in faith, we never have to. No, the only reason we know we got any faith is when the devil comes, we got our shield out in front of all, and it's able every time to quench every fiery dart, no, how many, no matter how many of them come. Because if we resist the devil steadfast in the faith, so those afflictions and those things, and remember affliction there, God doesn't send them. Well, why doesn't he stop them? Well, he did in Jesus because Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. But it's just like everything else. It's like salvation. It's like getting filled with the Holy Ghost. It's like receiving your healing. There's a God part and there's a your part. Your part is to do what James 4 and 7 says. Uh-oh, if we get on this one, we might be here a minute. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Everybody loves to leave that out. They just quote the last part. Right? It says submit. Submit. Woo! Submit. Don't we love to submit? Submit means you do something when you don't feel like doing it, when you don't want to do it, when you don't agree to do it. Everybody in the body of Christ these days is in agreement. Hardly anybody's in submission. And when that happens, that means it's very hard. If you can't submit to someone you can see, you sure are not submitted to someone you cannot see. And we have to submit to the word. Praise, did I lose anybody? So I'm submitted. Are you submitted? 
any, any time that I'm having a lot of anxiety or a lot of trouble with the devil and he don't seem to be running, because he said, resist the devil and he will do what? Flee or run as from, from you as in terror. If he's not running, in other words, if I'm running and he's chasing me, I've not done the first part. I'm supposed to be running and he's running away, right? What does that mean? First place I always check is, am I submitted? Am I doing, am I doing the, being a doer of the word? Am I doing what he told me to do? Am I submitted to those that he's put in, in my life? Everybody's got someone that God has put to influence them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Submit, and then what happens? Resist, flee. It's not, it's not you flee. <laughs> it's not you run. You stand, therefore, submitted to God, submitted to the word, submitted to what the Holy Ghost told you to do. Amen. Amen. A lot of times, oh, we just, just, we just might as well get in here. Hallelujah, it's Wednesday night. A lot of times people like you and I have problems with the devil is because the Lord specifically told us something to do. The Holy Ghost. How many of you know the Holy Ghost? John 10, 3 through 5 says, you are his sheep and you don't pretend like you don't know his voice. Romans 8, 14, you're, you're a son of God and therefore you are led by the spirit of God. John 18, 37 says you are of the truth and you hear his voice. Revelation says he who hear, who is part of the church. Remember every church he said this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of God says to the church. So God's talking to you. And it's usually a perception, it's an inward knowing, but you know it. This is the danger. I've done it, you've done it. When God's dealing with us about something, like don't do that no more. Don't you talk to your wife that way no more. I, you know, uh, I know your boss is honorary, but you respect him in front of everybody. Or you, well, your boss is honorary, but you, 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 don't, you don't talk bad about her like everybody else is at lunch. All right? Because you're a different kind of person. So when the Holy Ghost does that and he tells you to do something, but you don't obey that, this is not works, okay? This is obedience. That's different than works. We're, we're responding to God. Now, I, I'm just, this will help you out. So, you know, sometimes when we know, and you know, everybody say, I know his voice. I know it. I know it. Not that people teach you to learn it. You don't need to learn it. You know it. You can become more familiar with it. You can learn how to follow it. But you got to let the Holy Ghost be able to tell you what to do. Pastor Belinda was talking about it. Uh, Mama Mary said it to the boys. Whatever he says, debate it. See if it's God or not. Wonder about it. Call a committee meeting. Pray over it for another three months. All things not bad, but you know his voice. Well, Pastor Mark, I've messed up before. Well, join the club. But God's merciful. And he'd rather you miss it trying to obey him than having to have everything perfect before you do obey him. And the thing of it is, um, when, you, when you and I don't do, I'm adding me. And I've been teaching on this a long time. When we ignore, because that's really what we do. Have you, now maybe some of you are a little bolder than I am. But if God told me to do something I knew it was God, I wouldn't look up to heaven and go, nope. I'm not doing that. I, I did argue with him. You know, Jeannie being here reminds me, and I told you the story of Jim. Now, I was really young. And really new in the ministry. And I had dreams. I was going to be an itinerant minister. Take teams of people all over the world. And I was going to live in Brazil. In Natal. Y'all being close to there. Drink Guaraná. Eat meat. And have a Bible school on the beach. That was my plan. It was a good plan. I had condo picked out. <laughs> And the Lord interrupted me in Evansville, Indiana. And I tell this story. So if you haven't gone through Next Steps, you're going in February. Um, you'll hear it again. But um, I ministered. A friend of mine, John, had me in because he'd heard that I've been having some good meetings. So I didn't minister to youth. I ministered to adults. But he asked me to come in. Jim and I went down there, drove from Terre Haute down there, and uh, had a great meeting. 
I had a basketball player that had blown his knee and was going to lose his D1 scholarship and God instantly healed him. It was powerful. And then, listen, just, and, and remember, I was young. He was young. Um, uh, he, John had his kids come up and lay hands on me. And my thought was, oh, isn't that cute? That's sweet. Not really esteeming it. So they come up and they begin to lay hands on me. And these kids knew how to pray. But when they prayed, God spoke to me audibly the second time and only the second time I've ever heard his audible voice. And he spoke this to me. He said to me, you are a pastor, not an evangelist. I was so mad. Because, see, I grew up and I saw church splits. And I saw how they treated our pastor. And they were mean. (laughs) And I didn't want that. I'm grateful you all are sweet and kind and you're easy to pastor. But then I really fought it. And, the, you know, I tell, it was joking, but I, it really wasn't a joke. So Jim was wanting to talk all the way home, and I don't want to, I want to talk about nothing because God just rearranged. But I had to, I, I, I refused it a while. Even though the Lord, the next day, um, Pastor Knight, my pastor who, that I worked as secretary, I call myself the office manager, but it was just me and him. I really was his secretary, but I was his office manager. Anyway, so... Um, uh, the next, he came in, and God really uses him a lot. And when he speaks for God, he gets real formal. He comes in, he goes, <clears throat> Brother Garver, instead of Mark, the Lord has told me to tell you, you are not an evangelist. You are a pastor. It was the next day. And I, told, I looked at him and said, I know, but don't tell anybody. I was mad still. Hallelujah. But... If, if, but the submission wasn't always there. And if you've heard some of my stories, and when I was younger in the Lord, the submission wasn't always there. And the Lord will work with you when you're younger. But he expects those, and some of you have been here a long time, and you and I know the word. He expects us to hoppy to it. Because you know his voice. Not to argue with him. He's, he's merciful. And he's kind. And he'll get you in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Even if you're a little bit late. But, but my point is this, we have to submit. We have to stand steadfast in the Lord. We have to resist the devil. Um, what are some of the darts? I have notes. Let's see if I can use them. What are some of the darts? Well, I think one of the darts is lies. Um, I don't know if you know this. You do. What did Jesus call the devil? He called him the father of lies. You know, one of the things that we were strong as parents is um, there'll be absolutely zero lying. You might save some backside if you tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And even no punishment at all for the truth. Teaching the truth is more important than anything. Now, in our society today, they teach our children to lie. That it's sociably right to lie so you don't hurt nobody's feelings. So if you don't want to know something, don't ask me. How does this look? If you like it, I love it. Hallelujah. But no, I want to know how you think. Do you really? We can't do that anymore, Pastor Mark. That's wrong. Well, the deal is the little cracks you make, the little, the little, you know, um, you, you can end up, yeah, the compromise you make, and then you end up lying to yourself and you become, because what, what does a lie do? It leads to deception. Who's the master deceiver? How do we know that? Go back to the beginning. Eve. You remember her? What did God say? She said, God said, don't touch it lest you die. Close. But, and what did the devil do? You shall not surely die. What was that? A lie. What does the devil do? Lie. Listen to me, y'all. He's a master at it. And so in today's society, we have to almost... Even with facts, 
we just have to almost go, whatever. Because six people could be at the same place and you'll get six stories. And they spin it the way they want to spin it. And I don't get into social stuff and I don't get in, I try not to get in. But I'm just saying you and I are being programmed to almost be numb to lying. Be numb to it. Because we know, well, that's not the truth, but that's just their truth. What? Their truth? When did they get a truth? No, the only truth is the word of God. And there's not many interpretations thereof. And there's no Bible 2.0 coming out. If God said he was against something way back when, he's still against it today. Amen. But you and I have to be careful of this numbness to lying. And not winking and nodding at it like it's okay. Well, that's what they do. They lie. They do what they do. But in the kingdom, our king doesn't lie. And we don't lie. A little better. And we don't lie or stretch the truth. And the reason of that is that when a lie comes... You've got, to, you've got to know that it's a lie. And then you have to put your shield up and quench it. How? With your faith, with the word of God. So that it doesn't get past your faith and get into your mind, into your soul. Because then a lie does what? A lie over repeated and you and I letting it go or believing on it turns into a stronghold. And those things aren't getting gotten rid of by prayer lines. Those things are as they were built. You got to do the opposite. You got to take them out one lie at a time, and it, it can get excruciating. So the best thing for you and I to do is hold your shield up, and realize the devil's a liar, and he's going to lie to you morning, noon, and night. And remember, every thought that you have is not yours. You have to under discern, is that thought coming from my spirit, which is God? Is that a thought that I'm having, or is it coming from outside? Now, the devil doesn't always just show up with a blatant lie. Because remember what he even tried to do to Jesus. He quoted, he, he quoted a scripture accurately, but he misapplied it. Right? And so you and I have to be very good and, and how many, aren't you grateful you have the spirit of truth in you? Well, you're making me afraid. I said, no fear, right? No, you're not going to miss it. You've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Amen. Oh, goodness. We've just gone a little bit everywhere. But, but um, for real? Um, all right. Um, when I was real young in the Lord, um, this is not to diminish anyone. Or anything, it's just, I can teach you. Some of you heard me say this before. But um, I was backslidden. You remember my sister drug me to church? Hey, Robin, what's up? Uh, she made me go because I went to make her shut up so she would leave me alone. So I intended to go to one time. You know, I was going to go Sunday night because I missed Sunday morning because I couldn't go. And then Sunday night she made me go. And some woman was up preaching. Some woman was up preaching. I didn't know there was a controversy about some woman up preaching. But some woman was up preaching. She double dog dared me. I crossed the line. I shook under the power of God for 45 minutes and I got free. All right, but then about a month later, the same woman was back at the little church that I went to where I'd just gotten my life changed. Now, I knew that Noah had a boat because I grew up that way. And I knew, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer, my redeemer, because that means we got to leave church. So I had that one memorized. I just was learning, you know, I was getting amazed at the stories and the, the accounts in the gospel were repeated. I didn't know any of that. I just began. And so I'm going back there, and I'm telling you this for a reason. I'm talking about lies and deception and understanding this. And sometimes it can come through someone that you never expected to come through. And even well-meaning people, even well-meaning people. 
And, and by this, so I go back because this lady's there and she's up preaching. And I don't really know much. This is 37 years. I mean, this was just right after I got uh, delivered. I don't even think I was yet filled with the Holy Ghost. I was delivered, did some T-T-T-T-T-T-T thing. I never, I never know what that was, you know. Later, I guess that was the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But later, I prayed in tongues for the first time. But I, and so I'm sitting there, and she's teaching this thing basically out of the Old Testament using a book. And everything's a demon. And you got to cast them out. And don't anybody get you got to puke them up. you got to cough them up. you got to spit them out. And she's teaching that, and the whole church is going wild. They're loving every minute of it because it's just this uh, get-out-of-jail-free card without you putting your flesh under. I mean, she's talking about getting rid of glutton demons and, you know, with people losing weight and all that kind of stuff. And just, you know, and, and uh, uh, they were having trouble with this guy in church and uh, he broke horses and the pastor's wife asked this woman, uh, can this, can, can, a, can, a, can a demon and a horse get off on the guy breaking it? I mean, he was just sitting right behind me. I knew he was, everybody knew they were talking about this guy. Oh, yes, that demon, that, that, that horse demon can get off. I mean, it was just mess. And yet I'm sitting there. I'm talking about lies. Listen to me. I'm talking about lies. And you, it's not all about just having the word memorized. It's trusting the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth on the inside of you. And you're going to make a prophet. So you've arrived in these days. When it's going to be necessary to know my ways, to know my voice, to know my word for yourself. Amen. So that's the tongue and interpretation in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so on the inside, while this lady was up preaching, something said to me, that's not right. Well, who am I? This woman, who am I? I, was, kept, I kept hearing it. Not a voice, just a knowing. That's not right. That's not right. Well, let me tell you the end result. That little church I was in was in revival, and it came to a screeching halt, and people got off, and there's still rumors of those meetings to this day in my little hometown. It was a mess. But I'm sitting there, and I only knew to call one guy, so I called this guy on the phone, back when we had landlines, you know. So little rotaries. So I call him up. Some of you, those are in museums now for the rest of you. Um, my gosh, I have aged. Anyway, um, so I call him up and I said, his name is Don. And I said, Don, can I ask you a question? I was like, when that lady was preaching something, I didn't even know to call it the Holy Ghost. Something told me that wasn't right. And this is what he said, dear Lord. A baby Christian can figure that out while the rest of them were swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. What was that? Even in the midst of what can be something good, you got to make sure that you stay in the word. Stay with truth. There's a lot of times us ministers, we want more revelation. We want more. We push and we push. But you've got to be careful who you're pushing. Because the Bible says there's doctrines of demons. There's familiar spirits. And the devil is a master at making the word be twisted. How many you know in order for something to be scriptural, you have to have what? You should have a scripture, maybe more than one, two or three. And it needs to be in setting. In setting. Why am I talking about this? Because the devil is a master liar. And you and I need to be aware of it, not to be afraid of it, but if he could deceive Eve and he tried to deceive Jesus, then he's going to do that with you and I. But he's a liar. And you have the Holy Ghost. So you don't need to be afraid. You have the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth on the inside of you. And he'll reveal to you. And you've got to have confidence. Come on, man. You've got Google. You can Google like a scripture comes up to your heart. You can Google it. And then like what? 40 translations will show up. And, and, and you, you can, so we're, we're of any generation that's alive, we should be the most uh, stalwart, strengthened in the word of God than any generation. But the devil's a liar, and we're not, so it is his main device. It's his main device. We're not ignorant of his device. His device, that word device is even, really has more to do with the mind. 
So his device is he's trying to get an inroad into your mind to make you think wrong thoughts and to meditate on wrong thoughts. When you meditate on something, you'll get a picture of something. And when you start meditating and get a picture of something, then you begin to talk about something. And so that's what the enemy is always trying to do. So that's one of his devices. I mean, another one, we talked about doubt. Um, we could talk about, uh, you know, so what, how, how does the devil use, what's a fiery dart of doubt? Well, he'll bring circumstances. How I many you know you can be believing the word of God, standing strong? Uh, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Um, uh, uh, um, Jesus became a curse for me that the blessings of Abraham would come upon me by faith. Um, uh, I know that he took my infirmity. He bare my sickness. When hands were laid on me, the power of God went in me. And you can be doing that, but then a symptom could come up. And the devil, you know, he'll, he'll just, but what will he do? He'll, he'll magnify the symptom. Come on, have you ever had something happen that, you know, um, I tell this story all the time. I don't know why the Lord's having me tell off on myself so much tonight. But um, I was, uh, Pastor Rhonda was at the hospital with her mom. And so I was home all alone. And a, um, a, a huge, like, knot, almost more like a tumor-like thing, came up on the back of my neck. And she wasn't there. And I'll be real honest, um, the thoughts started popping that, that is this, that is that. And I kept feeling it and feeling it and it wouldn't go away. And I'd half-heartedly curse it in Jesus' name and command it to go. And it was still there. And I think, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Rhonda's at the hospital and I'm going to die. You know, I, and I'm seriously, the bombarding of thoughts. And so I got really quiet. Now, I don't know how the Lord talks to you. I can just tell you how he talks to me. Um, I'm straight with him. He's straighter with me. And so as, as I had my hand back there and my wife was gone, not there to comfort me and encourage me, um, I said to the Lord, Lord, should I worry about this? And he said to me, that's exactly what I'd do if I were you. <laughs> you said, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. And you know what it did? Snapped me out of it. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. And then I started laughing in the Holy Ghost. And I laughed, 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 and I spoke the word, and I laughed, and when I woke up the next day, it was all gone. Can you believe he said to me, that's exactly what I'd do if I were you. I'd worry about it. I mean, you know, just to a, a faith preacher, that's the funniest. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's so stupid. You know, uh, we don't do this at our house, but that's a duh moment. Hallelujah. Duh. You don't worry about it. But what does the devil bring? All he has is circumstances. That's why he can't be moved by them. That's all he has. But listen, he's a master at using them to try to get you to look at the mountain, to look at the problem, to look at the circumstance instead of the word. He got Peter's. Peter got his eyes on the storm, on the winds and the wave, and he doubted, and it caused him to sink. Now, I'll just finish that story up because I, 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 like, I like the Lord so much. I love him so much. How many know he's not out to get you? I, I know other people teach this another way, but this is how I see it from the word. Uh, how many know a good prayer is, help me, Jesus? It's a good prayer. If you really mean it, I've done some help me, Jesus. That's about all I can get out. Help me, Jesus. And so as he was sinking, help me. And Jesus did what? He looked at him and said, you stupid human. You shouldn't have tried this. I just let you come out here because so, I know you'd fail. And then he looked at the boy and he said, he's going to die, boys. You know, we'll, we'll, we don't got time to stay. Uh, we'll, we'll send somebody back for his body later. Stupid human. That's not what he did. If you study it, he grabbed him, pulled him up. He didn't throw him in the boat. They're standing on water again. And Jesus taught him. He's not a taskmaster, y'all. He's a teacher. And he loves you. And um, he's perfect. He wants us to grow. But they're standing on the water. And he said, why did you doubt? He said, why did you have little faith? And that word little is not in amount Dude walked on water. That, takes some, that took some faith. So little is not amount. 
Little there is length of time it lasted. Because your faith, you can be in faith going and the devil send. How many, some of you have been around a while. He doesn't send a mountain anymore. He sends ranges. Right? He sends, come on. What do they say? When it rains, it pours. What is the devil trying to do? He's trying to get you so. Right? And then. The very thing that he knows irritates, how I many you know the devil knows what irritates you? Or the kind of person that irritates you, right? What's he trying to do with those mountains, those mountain ranges, those circumstances to get you into doubt? That is a fiery dart because doubt, when it gets in, you become double-minded, you're unstable, and you can't receive from the Lord. But when you got your shield up, and the devil sends something your way that's meant to explode in your soul or your mind. You're quenching it because you have the word of God. Your shield is fresh. It's been freshly watered. It's been freshly, not just water, but freshly oiled. Come on, thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the move of the Holy Ghost. You ought to be in times and services where the power of God's moving. Amen. And so... Um, other things the devil will try to do with, with, those, with, uh, with that doubt is make you be logical. Just to, to get, try to get everything with your mind. Um, there's just so many things. The fiery darts, um, sin, temptation. How I many know James says that don't any man say that when they're tempted, they're tempted of God? How I many know God's not the tempter? Who's the tempter? The devil. What does the devil come to do? Well, in James 2, it talks about you have, you have, you have flesh. If I walked around pinching everybody, would you all say, ow? You have, you have flesh, right? And the Bible says you have the lust of your flesh. You got born again, but your flesh still has lust in it. Well, why? Well, I don't know. It just does. It didn't get born again. But no fear. You can get your spirits born again. You know, your spirit didn't get healed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions can be restored and take dominance in your life. And then that's two against one. And then your body just has to follow along. If your body's winning, it's because your soul is losing. And that, just praying in tongues won't fix that. If your body is winning, if the lust of your flesh, yeah, if the lust of your flesh is winning, that means your soul is also losing. Because when your soul is in dominance, when it's in agreement with the word of God, when it's in agreement with your spirit, with his spirit, then that's two against one. And that's why Paul said, you got to crucify your flesh. You can't do that unless you're dominant in your spirit and in your soul. And that's why next week, the next thing he said was, and the helmet of salvation. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it's interesting in James, uh, it's in that, $5 book out there. Why is that $5? It's no good anymore. No, I'm just updating it and I'm going to turn it into a workbook and because uh, people have asked me to do that. So we're getting ready to do it, adding some more chapters to it. But I remember when the Lord taught me that in James, it says, um, so you can't keep the tempter from coming to tempt your flesh and it's your flesh and you have control of it. The Bible says when those two conceive, just like a man and woman, they conceive, they make a child. So you can't keep the devil necessarily coming to bring the temptation, but if your flesh is under control by your spirit and your soul, then the two can't mate. <laughs> because the Bible says when, they, when it's conceived like a child, then you fall into sin. And then when sin has its full work, what happens? Death. Death of something. So that's what the devil does. Why he, so those are the fiery darts. Uh, temptation to sin, the lust of your flesh, doubts, lies, anything that's in the devil's arsenal. But guess what you have? You have a shield of faith because you believe the word of God. You speak the word of God and you put it out in front of all and it's attached to the loin belt of truth. And you keep that thing watered down and shined up. And when the devil attacks, when's he going to attack? I don't know. But in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then you're going to win every battle. 
This is the confidence that I have in him. That if I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know that I have the petitions that I've desired of him. I know that when I speak the word of God, I know that when I obey him, I know that the circumstances, the mountains, they have to go. And I know the fiery darts that he sends my way, I know I can have victory over each and every one of them. I don't know about you, but sometimes um, it's good to have people around you who know how to walk in faith. I know in our circles sometimes we talk about it's all you, it's your responsibility. And there's some truth in that. Um, Nobody can get saved for you but you. Nobody can get filled with the Holy Ghost for you but you. But there's other things, you know, uh, uh, you you need four crazy friends. You need um, people around you who can slap you upside the head when you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, You need to have friends around you that can help you. I meant slap you in the head in the nicest way. Um, but, but not just anybody can do that. We're all not each other's mouth monitors. You can't go around correcting people, especially if you have no access, no relationship in their life. You better not, or, you know, th- that's not going to go well. But we all need friends. And what I like about the shield of faith, um, Rick Renner brings this out, and I want to bring it out to you. Because um, it just reminds me of the convocation that you're having with the uh, women in ministry. Is one of the things they used to do is the shields had hooks or brackets on the end, every one of them. And so a lot of times what they would do is they would hook themselves together in a line and they would march as a line and it was, you know, kind of one for all, all for one, and that that line was impenetrable. Or if a dignitary was coming, they could do it where they did a circle around them and they put a shield over the dignitary's head and they would lead him or her from one place to another place where the fiery darts weren't getting, the, the, the dignitary, the lead officer or whatever, didn't have to have a shield. The others shielded them as they marched in unison, as they went in unison, and they were protected, and the dignitary was protected from the fiery darts. We need one another. You need somebody in this room. Amen? I said you need somebody. You, uh, somebody needs you. Amen? Amen? It's good to win. I said, it's good to win. I always win. And when I'm done, I always win. And when I'm done, I'm going to win again. How can we say that? Because this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith in Jesus Christ, right? Amen? Hallelujah. Having done all to stand, I'm going to keep on standing. I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to quench the fiery darts, and I'm going to win every time. Amen? Amen?